0: He says, well, somebody came over to the apartment on Thursday night. He says, he was dressed like a Domino's pizza delivery guy. And he pushes his way in with his foot. And he puts a gun to my head. He says, you know James Mosqueda? And he goes, yeah, he's my cousin. He says, well, he owes us some money. And until we get it back, we're threatening people he knows.
1: When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty, or I go to prison and death row. hmm
0: That's the reality of it. We have busted alibis. We have
1: caught people in lies. This is just insane, because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else.
0: You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's house they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody.
1: So he could get the execution date pretty much any day?
0: Yeah. There's no impediment.
2: This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 5 The Trash Can Without a Lid. At this point, you've heard from Amy Becher, Ivan Cantu, Amy's stepdad, Mr. Kramer, and Ivan's ex girlfriend, Tawny. While Kramer believes Amy, Tawny believes Ivan. So far, we've been following Ivan and Amy's whereabouts and their trip to Arkansas. But while they were out of town for three days, a lot was still going on back in Dallas. So now, we'll dive into that with Ivan's mom, Sylvia. You heard a little from Sylvia at the beginning of episode one. Naturally, she was blindsided by this whole thing. First, her nephew James and James' fiancé's murder... And then she begins to realize her own son was becoming a suspect. While talking with Sylvia, I realized she had information that the detectives, Ivan's lawyers, and the jurors never heard. But now you will. Like Tawny, she was never called to testify. And while the knee-jerk reaction could be to dismiss this information as a mother of the man on death row, assuming she would say anything to try to save her son's life, However, she recently spoke to a Collin County D.A. investigator about this statement, and the investigator told me he found her credible. To recap from the beginning of her interview in episode one, she was working with James right before the murders. She was selling real estate, and he was the loan officer for a new subdivision in Dallas. Sylvia gets a call Saturday, and she's one of the first family members at the murder scene. When she thinks about Ivan, she's immediately worried about him. Ivan and Amy Betcher's apartment was just a few minutes from James and Amy's house. When she's overheard talking to a relative about Ivan, police at the scene come over. This is Sylvia continuing her story.
0: Where's Ivan? And I said, oh my God. I said, I forgot about Ivan. I said, he's out of town. He told me he was going out of town two weeks ago. And I said, "Uh, he doesn't know. I said, I'm going to drive by there before I go home. Uh, I just need to make sure that you know his that his car's not there and and something happened to him because if his car is there, then something happened to him, and he didn't go out of town and A policewoman was standing uh in the area, and she heard me say that I was going to go and uh, check on ivan and she says before you head over there because of what's happened here, do you mind if a couple of us officers go over there with you? I drove over there and they followed me. I start getting out of the car, and this, she says, wait a minute. She says, We're, we need to get a key, and it might be a while before they, they get us a key, so why don't we just sit here, and uh, uh, we'll let you know when it, when it's okay to come in.
2: It's about 8.15 p.m. at this time. The officers get a key from the apartment manager and enter, and what's interesting here is there should be evidence inside and outside of the apartment that tie Ivan to the murders. At this point, James Corvette is missing and will be found the following day parked a few feet from Ivan's apartment door. And remember that trash can full of evidence, the bloody jeans, the socks, the latex gloves? Well, that should be in the trash can in the kitchen, immediately visible as soon as you open the door.
1: So how many officers
0: were in there? Two of them. Officer and- Jumber and then the female officer, and I don't know what her name was, but uh, I know that they're taking a long time. And I looked at, as soon as they, she left my door and told me that, I looked at the clock to see how long it was going to take for them to come and get me. 15 minutes later, she comes back out and she says, okay. She says, uh, you can come see for yourself. Then you, there's nothing wrong. I
1: said, well, okay. What, what was going through your mind when they're in there for so long?
0: I thought that they had found them dead. I thought the Ivan had been killed as well. Because I thought, well, if they were killing James and Amy, and all they did was mortgage loans.
2: Sylvia will soon find out about James' other business.
0: And she comes to the driver's side and she says, okay, you can come in. And uh, she says, but we can't stay very long because uh, technically we're not supposed to be here. And I said, okay.
1: But at that time, did you think that Ivan was in town or out of town? I, I couldn't confirm it. You, I hadn't, had you tried to call? I, his phone? I had
0: not. I had not tried to call Ivan. I didn't want to call anybody unless I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So I know I didn't call him on the way over there because I wasn't going to leave him a message on his voicemail, you know, saying, you know, so I, just, I was just—it was just too bizarre.
1: Well, and then as you're there and you find out that it actually—they actually did get murdered. Did you? Did you try to call Ivan then?
0: No. I'd forgotten all about Ivan. I, I, my mind couldn't even process what was going on in front of the house. You know, it, everything was like going in slow motion, man.
1: Mm-hmm. And you
0: know how a camera sometimes scans across a crowd of people? That's pretty much what I was processing.
1: And then, so the so, female officer comes back she to She comes car. get me.
0: Mm-hmm. I walk in. Everything is immaculate. The carpet, I mean, it was clean, and there wasn't uh, anything out on the counters. Um, There was a couple of beer bottles. Like, they had opened the beer bottles, but they decided they weren't going to have any beer. They were just going to get on the road and and not have any problems with uh, somebody smelling alcohol if they were pulled over. There's nothing out on the the stove counter, uh, kitchen counter, pass bar, nothing. I look around the kitchen and everything's wiped down everything's pretty Ivan was a clean freak and uh, if he was going out of town he always made sure the trash had been taken out uh, they didn't have any smelly food to come back to
1: he was always he, like that he
0: was oh yeah Mhm. that was very typical of the times that I'd go visit the other apartments that he lived in
1: okay.
0: So I'm, I'm in the kitchen I'm looking around everything I'm satisfied you know there's, there's no bodies there uh, I start walking out, and Officer Junger points his flashlight to the frame of the front door. And there's a hole, a small hole, about, what is uh, is a door frame eight feet tall? About that. Yeah, there's about two feet down from the frame, from the top, there's a, a bullet hole.
2: And remember, two nights before this wellness check, on November 2nd, this bullet was shot into the wall. Amy said it was Ivan who shot at her during an argument, while Ivan said it was a guy dressed like a Domino's Pizza Man who came into their apartment and fired at the wall.
0: Hmm. But I saw the hole and I didn't put it together. I didn't put it together until later because Junger says, Does your son have a gun? I said, No, sir. He doesn't have a gun. And he says, that looks like a bullet hole. And I said, I don't know what it could be. And he said, okay, okay all right, well, let's lock up and go. And they were satisfied. Uh, I might have left a, a message on Ivan's phone afterwards at that time to let him know the police call me. I didn't care what time it was after I got back in my car. But we were very close. You and Ivan? Mhm. Cuz he was driving my car.
1: Was that the Honda that he was driving at that
0: point? Uh-huh. A 2000 Honda Accord.
1: It was a car, so, Accord. And you didn't see the Honda there. Mm-mm. During the safety check. Mm-mm. Um now so and I uh, didn't know to look for the core vent.
2: So like I said, at this time, the Corvette was missing from James' house. The Corvette will be found less than 12 hours after this wellness check by being located through LoJack if it was parked just a few feet away from Ivan's door. And these officers were standing out front waiting for a key for about 10 minutes. The question Ivan and his family have asked for the past 20 years is, wouldn't the cops have noticed the Corvette in the parking lot? because if it wasn't there, then that would mean someone else moved the Corvette after the wellness check to set him up.
0: But I do know that it was lit, and the carports had lights underneath them. There was cars that were parked in there.
1: Now, if the Corvette was there, though, uh, would you know It have wouldn't be it? hard to spot
0: it. He was at the end of a
1: building, and where the Corvette
0: was, uh, where it was found, It was next to the south wall of his
1: kitchen. But because you didn't know to look for it, Mm -mm. could it have been there? I was looking
0: for his car. Well,
1: I'm Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out, is it a... So it is a possibility that the Corvette was parked there. You didn't notice it because you were thinking about the Honda. Mm -hmm. And potentially the cops didn't notice it because maybe... They weren't part of that part of the investigation at that point.
2: At this point, Ivan was not a suspect. And these cops were not looking for evidence because this was just a wellness check. And it's uncertain if these officers would have even known that James Corvette was missing at this time. Without security cam footage in the apartment complex, which apparently was never taken into evidence, there's really no way to prove if the Corvette was parked there during the wellness check and what time it was parked there, and by whom. So for me, the Corvette is a wash. But this next piece of information seems crucial. I believe if Ivan's lawyers had Sylvia testify to what you're about to hear, it could have started an avalanche of reasonable doubt. This is from an interview I did more recently with Sylvia.
1: When we started talking a while back, I sent you pictures of the kitchen area.
0: I was never shown those pictures before the trial, um, or even during the trial, or even after the trial until you showed me those pictures, Matt. I had no idea there was even pictures of that area, and and I and I thought to myself, "Wow, where did all this stuff come from? Because it wasn't there when I was in the kitchen." The counters looked like they were kind of messed up, and that there was debris on top countertops. And then there was a beer box, pretty good sized beer box, that was on the floor next to the white trash can, and also a, a cardboard box. And then it shows that there's some items that are in the trash can and a cup on the top. And I said, I, I told, I think I told you right away that can't be. Nothing was there when I was when I was in the apartment.
1: So none of those items were in the trash can? No, sir. And how certain are you that you would have seen them?
0: 100%.
2: That is huge. And something Ivan's lawyers should have keyed in on. Because that picture and evidence clearly shows the jeans, the socks, the latex gloves in the trash can at the rim level. Not buried at the bottom, but right on top and without a lid. You can check out the picture on our social media pages. There would be no missing these items. And if this evidence was not in there during the wellness check, then someone other than Ivan and Amy had to put those items in there because at this point in the timeline, Ivan and Amy are eight hours away in Arkansas, and they will be there until after the evidence is found. And while the two officers were not in the apartment looking for evidence, they were looking for dead bodies, Officer Younger did notate the bullet hole in the wall. So had he seen the bloody jeans, bloody socks and latex gloves on top of the trash, he would have made note of it. But again, this is the mother of a man on death row. Sure, she could say that, but what do the cops that conducted the wellness check have to say about it? Well, Officer Younger is still with the department, and Dallas PD would not permit him to discuss the wellness check with me. But the female officer, whom Sylvia did not remember her name, she retired from Dallas PD, and she did talk to me. Her name was Officer Susan Eilef. She's since remarried, and now she is Susan Eisenberg. She never testified at trial in this case. And like Sylvia, I sent her the pictures of the trash can in the apartment. Before we started talking, had you ever seen the pictures of the trash can?
3: I had not. I, that was subsequent to you contacting me.
2: And so what did you think initially when I sent you those pictures of the trash can?
3: Well, I thought it was kind of odd because I had been in there prior to those pictures being taken. and I didn't see anything of the sort.
2: So when you were in there with you, Younger, and Sylvia, the trash can did not look like that.
3: It did not look like that. I mean, how do you not catch that as a police officer
2: or your partner
3: or his mother? I mean, you know, we looked through the whole apartment. There's no way. I mean, maybe after the detectives went there, but when I was there, I mean, that was the same day. It was not an accurate depiction.
2: Well, and so how positive are you that you would have seen the jeans, socks, and latex glove in the trash can?
3: 99.9 percent. I don't know why I would miss that. I really don't. That would be very uncharacteristic of me and of Steve. I mean, remember, he's the one that saw the bullet hole in the wall. How do you notice that and not notice the trash cans? Come on. And I'm pretty observant
2: myself. So
3: it's a little odd. Actually, it's a lot odd.
2: (laughs) Well, so, and does that mean to you that if that wasn't in the trash can at that point and Ivan was out of town, it would be your assessment that someone else other than Ivan or Amy had to put those items in the trash can?
3: That's my assessment, yes. Plus, who would leave a Corvette there? Come on. I mean, Ivan's not dumb. So who does that, you know, unless they're trying to set somebody up?
2: Susan then started discussing the investigation conducted by Dallas PD, her former department.
3: I can just tell you that I think there's a lot of stuff they could have done that they didn't. Not that they intentionally did it, but there's a glaring... <laughs> stuff that says, wow, why, did, why didn't you do this? And I'm not trying to get down on the detectives, but I mean, it's just like ridiculous. I mean, even not being a detective, there's stuff that I would have done. I mean, for example, there's beer bottles on the um, counter. How about we take fingerprints? How about we do DNA even though it's in the infancy? How about there's a lone Rubber glove in the trash can. Explain that. Where's the other one?
2: That rubber glove wasn't taken into evidence. And going by the picture, you can't tell if this is one or two gloves. But either way, that seems to be a major piece of evidence that was not collected.
3: I mean, you know, it just, it makes no sense. And I'm not trying to be, you know, derogatory, but if you look at that stuff, it's just like it screams somebody else came in there and did it. And I hate, you know, I don't hate to say that because although I feel like I'm not backing my former department, which would I have no reason to do, I feel like justice is more important and I don't want to see a guy killed, you know, over, you know, these discrepancies that don't make any sense. And another thing is why would Dallas P D not allow my partner at the time who was in the apartment, why wouldn't they allow him to speak on that I mean I get it but I don't get it because if the department has nothing to hide and you better believe they looked into it when they got that request if they have nothing to hide then what are you hiding (laughs) it bothers me it bothered me after I talked to you and it bothers me now
2: And if Susan Eisenberg's statement doesn't bother you, I'll remind you of one more thing. Those jeans were two sizes too big for Ivan. This is a big deal. This is a man's life on the line. And again, none of this was brought up at trial. Who knew this wellness check would turn out to be such a crucial element in this case? And we just started with Sylvia's timeline. Let's continue.
0: Okay, so that Saturday night, I get home and I'm having a hard time sleeping. I shut all the blinds in the house. I didn't know if people were going to still be killing people or what. And uh, so it was early Sunday morning when Ivan returned my call. And I said, oh, Ivan, I said, I'm so glad you called. It's good to hear from you. He says, uh, Mom, and he says, I'm sorry it took so long t- for me to get back to you, but we're in the mountains here in Arkansas, and there there's no hardly any steel towers. I had to get into an area, and I could get my phone to work. But he says, uh, what's going on? And so I told him that Jank had been found murdered. I think he says, well, how do you know? I think he started asking me questions.
1: And what was um, Ivan's reaction?
0: I think he was in shock, too. Um. I think it, it took his breath. He says, let me tell you what I know about James. I needed to talk to James before I left. And it was real hard for me to get a hold of him because I would call me. He wouldn't take my call because he was busy with the loans. He says, I believe he said I was trying to warn him. He says, well, somebody came over to the apartment on Thursday night, the Thursday before James was killed. He says he was dressed like a Domino's pizza delivery guy. And he says... I told him he was at the wrong door and he pushes his way in with his foot and he puts a gun to my head. He says, you know James Muskega? And He goes, yeah, he's my cousin. He says, well, he owes us some money and until we get it back, we're threatening people he knows. He says, I've got a list of people and he takes out a, he says he took out a piece of paper and showed him a bunch of names on a list. He had him get on his knees. I thought, you no, know, usually somebody's been safe, sit down and get a gun pointed at him, but he had him get down on his knees. But he says, um, the guy left. He threatened me, and he left. And uh, I said, where was Amy? He says, well, that's the strange thing about it. Amy was gone. She said she was going to go to the tanning salon around the corner.
1: Well, and so, what was going through your mind when he's telling you that story about the Domino's Pizza Man? What?
0: I just think it's really bizarre. It was just getting more and more bizarre for me to handle, to process. I didn't know what to ask Matt. And I said, well, whatever you know, share it with Detective Wynn. You can get a a line out to him, give him a call, let him know when you're going to be back. He says, well, we just got here, so we're probably not going to be heading back until Tuesday. I said, okay, I just want you all to be careful, and I'm glad you called. He said, Mom, you might want to go get your your car at uh, Carlos Gonzalez's house. Anthony's staying over there. Well, Anthony Fonseca uh, was driving a red Mustang that I had bought for Ivan before he went and joined the
2: Navy. You'll remember Carlos and Anthony were high school friends with James. They were all still very close in their 20s. Ivan and Tawny went to Jamaica with Carlos and Anthony in the summer of 2000. And the last episode, you heard Tawny say she thought Carlos could be involved in setting up Ivan for James's murder.
0: So here I was with a car and Anthony making the, the note payments on it. And when Ivan came back and decided he wasn't going to graduate from the Navy, then I had to buy him a car to go to work countrywide. Everybody had a car.
1: And your name, huh?
0: yeah. So, you might want to go and get your Mustang. I think they're running drugs in your car. He said what? I think they're running drugs in your car.
1: In the Mustang? Uh
0: Uh-huh. It it was even getting more and more harder for me to process as things were being being said.
1: And at that point, when he's talking to you, does he tell you that James might have been into drugs, too?
0: I can't tell. I can't tell you for sure if he told me at that time or at a later time that uh, James was laundering money through the mortgage company. But when he says, "I think they're running, they've been running drugs in your car," I thought, "I said, why didn't you tell me this? I would have gotten the car back. I wouldn't have had to to go get it." He says, "I, I barely let you go, so." We just talked for a little while because he was having to whisper as if, you know, he didn't want anybody to hear him or wake anyone up.
1: Because it was what what time in the morning?
0: Oh, early in the morning, like maybe 2 or 3.
1: Let's see. That's, that would be the morning of the 5th. Um, do you remember when you went over to see uh, or to, when you went to get that Mustang back?
0: Monday morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then how'd that go? Um, I get there early because my sister was going to drive my car back and I was going to bring back the Mustang.
1: Where were you meeting um, Anthony?
0: Anthony didn't know I was going. Oh, let me back up, Matt.
1: Okay.
0: Ivan calls early Sunday morning, 2 or 3 o'clock. The next call I get is from Carlos Gonzalez. I don't know Carlos. I've never met him. But for some reason, he felt that he had to call me at 8 o'clock in the morning and set up an alibi for himself.
1: Now, why do you say, so he called you at 8 a.m.?
0: Yeah, and I said, he says, um, you don't know me. He says, I said, well, I know your name. And uh, he says, um, I just wanted to tell you that I'm sorry I won't be able to go to the funeral. I heard about James. Now this is eight o'clock in the morning. He's waking me up.
1: And you would never later talk- in the day. I, I don't
0: know who this guy is. I don't know how he got my number, but he huh. called me on, on my my phone. He can't go to the funeral. I'm going to be out of town the whole week. I'm at my grandmother's in Waco. My uncle is dying. They expect him to die this week. I won't be able to go to the funeral. And he says, Anthony, Anthony's out t- out of town deer hunting. So he's covering for Anthony as well. He's with um, Jason King out at, at some ranch in South Texas. He says, they're deer hunting. They won't be back for a while.
1: Calls you out of the blue, says that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And why would he tell you that he can't well, make I, it to the funeral?
0: That's what I don't understand. What would make him want to cover his bases with me? Hmm. That was, I mean, it was just getting more and more bizarre. And uh, and he says, I just want to give you my condolences. I said, well, thank you for calling. And uh, that was it.
1: Okay. So that is Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, and Ivan, he doesn't know yet that Carlos had called after Sunday morning.
1: Because
0: Ivan wasn't going to be back until Tuesday.
1: Did he say anything about Ivan? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Then what happened Sunday? Anything happened
0: Sunday? No, I think I think I was too tired to. Uh, from the stress of everything, I think I was just pulling myself together. So I told my sister, we uh, having coffee. I said I need you to go with me to um, Carlos' house, and I need to get back my my Mustang. But I need you to drive my car back so I can drive the Mustang back. So Monday morning, we get up uh, early, and I'm hoping that his girl, Carlos' girlfriend is there, or somebody can let me in the house. I had a spare key. I was hoping the car was just going to be outside.
1: So how do, you know outside, how do you know? The car wasn't outside, so I knocked on the door. So how do you know where to pick up the car again?
0: Because Carlos was staying at Beaux Court. That was the house that Ivan
1: had before Carlos owned it. That was oh, so Ivan's first house. So you knew that Carlos was now living there? hmm And then how did you know that um, the Mustang would be at his house?
0: Because I been said, uh, Anthony is staying at Carlos on Beau Court. He'll probably find the car there.
1: Gotcha. So you head there, and you, you said you didn't see the car in the driveway? Mm-mm. And so you I'm knock disappointed because I'm
0: hoping I can just get in and get out and call Anthony and tell him I, I went and picked up the car.
1: Right. And you said that you knocked on the door?
0: Yeah. I thought, well, maybe somebody's at home and they'll let me in to get the car. I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. I just knew, well, Carlos is out of town and Anthony is deer hunting, so let's see if somebody opens the door. And lo and behold, my sister's there with me and Anthony opens the door. Hmm. I said, Anthony, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be deer hunting. Hmm. Well, if I wasn't pushed back 20 miles from hearing about James' murder, it was even further now, Matt.
2: So what happens when Sylvia and Penny pop over for an impromptu visit with Carlos and Anthony? Next time on Cousins by Blood. As you can hear, the reasonable doubt is mounting in this case. Please spread the word. More people need to hear this. To see pictures of the trash can without a lid and the evidence, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cousins by Blood Podcast. If you have any information about the case, please email us at cousinsbybloodpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a message at 469-382-382. 2004. Mixing and mastering by Jody Abbott. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.